Today we got Lizzo, words from Martin Scorsese, and Anthony Anderson's divorce. Hoo-wee, this ain't your mama's podcast. It's the Chico Demanwell Show. Let's get it, baby. process of getting ready to donate some plasma so i'm gonna keep my voice low and the mic close but uh i'm sure everybody knows who the fuck sexy red is and um i i've never purposefully or intentionally listened to any kind of media that this this person has put out but just from a quick a cursory google search i'm utterly put off or disgusted and this shit is grade a elite penis repellent like any man that has any kind of if you only have one standard as a male this woman should be utterly unattractive so what really brought her to my attention initially was seeing videos and pictures on Facebook of people saying she looks like Young Thug, which which from from some ways kind of, I don't think it's an actual resemblance, but from the photographs that's circulating on the internet, you could, you could make the argument, but I don't, I don't think they look alike. I actually thought she was a tranny when I first saw her. So, I mean, and I think that the young, the whole young thug comparison lends itself to that. So we, I don't, I don't think that's fair. But I saw some either YouTube or Facebook shorts, and I just heard the phrase "my coochie pink, my booty hole brown." And first of all, those are pretty, pretty standard observations. Like most coochies are pink, most booty holes are brown for one reason or another. So aside from the fact that that's just utterly filthy fucking disgusting shit to introduce yourself with I, it's, uh, let me just skip to the google search so i just went to google typed in who is sexy red and uh jenny nera wary better known professionally as sexy red is an american rapper and singer 
who garnered online attention in 2018 after reworking Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles on the track, whatever, whatever the fuck, I don't really care. Um, we got an article here from Complex. It says, eight things to know about rap's unfiltered star. I'm going to have a paraphrase this. I haven't looked at it. Um, there are a lot of new artists creating buzz in today's rap landscape, but there's no one quite like Sexy Red. First gained attention in 2018, they a viral track, A Thousand Jugs, which reworked, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 yada. But it wasn't until January 2023 that Red broke through with her mega hit, Pound Town. The track was a huge success because of Sexy Red's unexpectedly raunchy and unfiltered delivery, an unfiltered delivery, ultimately making her the star to watch. Nicki Minaj hopped on Pound Town 2 soon after, and that track became Red's first entry on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Good lord. Uh, I understand why Nicki Minaj hopped on there. I, I, I still fuck with Nicki, but it's just, it's like a rite of passage. Like, if you're a female rapper or something and, you, and, and you're coming up, like, you're probably going to get a feature with Nicki Minaj. So I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite put Nicki Minaj in the same bracket as this, this, this human being, but... Since then, the emerging star has appeared on songs with the baby and NL Chopper, other motherfuckers I haven't listened to, and seen mingling with numerous celebrities, including Drake and Travis Scott. Ski Yee, released in J July as a vibrant and rowdy anthem, that has accumulated more than 11 million views on YouTube. Sexy Red's stage name has a simple backstory. According to the rapper, her name was Red in middle school because she used to dye her hair red and wear a lot of red garments. She had a sexy when she uploaded one of her first songs to streaming platforms. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, she calls herself the female Gucci man, which is stupid because there's how you going to be the female man. Like you're the you're the female Gucci man. Just dumb. It's just decadence and it's just just absolute filth. But I bring her up because she's just the she's the tip of the iceberg in a, in a real big cultural fucking downslide. We're just being extremely forward and, and open about your sexual proclivities is just like the norm now. Like, that shit's cool. I'm trying to figure out when the fuck that, that became the case. Like, that is just utterly, like, she, she's not even that cute. Like, she's just not that cute. Like, yeah, she got nice edges or whatever. And, the, the, you know, the, all the chains and shit. Like, the female Gucci man. Like, why do these women want to be men and why are they being popularized for wanting to be men like why can't what, what happened to the time where girls was girls and, and men was men this is just as bad as the whole fucking trans the whole trans agenda with, with women being men men being women like nothing means nothing anymore and it's fucking frustrating man like just i haven't even i've tried my best to not hear the song yet i'm still familiar with the lyrics I seen some memes that she was coming out with like a candy that was like gonorrhea flavored or like booty hole brown and coochie pink and all. This is this shit is stupid. This shit is stupid, man. How is this shit not objectively stupid? Like taking these very banal observations on my coochies pink. Like what's the what? Are they like orange coochies out there? Is it like? I hope it's not no orange coochies out there. And if it is, I hope you stay the fuck away from them. But this is this is nonsense. Like, why is she even famous for just being like, is that all it takes now? Do I got to make a, a, a song called My Ball Sack Brown and, 
And my dick like concrete, like what the fuck, man? Like, what happened to skill? What happened to nuance? What happened to like flavor and, and what happened to all of that shit? And like, these are the type of people that are single and they blame it on things like, oh, I'm single by choice. It's like, no, you gonna, with the way that you present yourself, you only stand to attract scum of the earth. Like you only stand to attract filthy ass, low down, useless, good for nothing ass niggas. Like, who even likes this? Like, I swear to God, if somebody plays this Pound Town shit for me, one or two, it's not deserving of a sequel whatsoever. But if somebody plays this, I might literally try to kill you. Like, I might literally try to kill you if you if you try to force me that audio into my ears. That shit is demonic. It's, it's filthy. Not even demonic. Like, it's just objectively filthy. But, like, this is the shit that gets glamorized nowadays this is the shit that will get you a check get you notoriety not even for the filth but for making common observations like like we don't know what color genitalia is like i seen somebody i don't know who this dude is he's some dude that's on youtube he's like a black dude he kind of got like a deal hugely haircut but he was interviewing and he was like so what like you, you, you your song called Pound Town, like you ain't been pounded enough, but you don't want to answer the question. You want to like gesture your face and like and per, per, like pucker your lips to indicate your unwillingness to answer the question. But bitch, you made the song. You made the song talking about you need a new pappy and all this shit. Like I got, I, man, whoever the fuck is impregnating you, God help them. Cause they have absolutely no future in store. <laughs> Absolutely, that child is going to be a satanic demon spawn with no foundation, no morals, of, of no contribution to society in any meaningful way. Just going to be another one of these half brain dead idiots walking around here, flaunting their sexual attributes as the forefront of who they are. It's disgusting, man. Like, I can't even... I don't care how catchy it is. Like, that's not music, bro. That's not music. That's a clear indication of the of the, the decline of culture, man. Like, nothing matters anymore. Anything is anything, you know. When you live in a society where people is... Where women can be men, men can be women, and your sexual identity takes the lead regarding who you are. Like, a motherfucker asks you, who are you? And you say something like, oh, I'm a badass bitch with big ass and shit. Like, yeah, okay, but like, you realize that's gotta be propped up by something. And if it's not propped up by something, that means it's your foundation. And if that's your foundation, what's the, what's the appeal? What is your appeal? What, what are you comprised of that's supposed to draw me in that's, a, that's, that's not disgusting? <laughs> like... People, people, the young thug comparison should be all you really need. I just seen a meme with 6ix9ine trolling young thug. He's, he's in these like webcams with like lipstick and makeup. And I'm probably not the best person to talk about this shit, but I don't care. Like dog said, I'm delivered. You know, everything I do going forward can, can, can lend credence to the fact that what I did was, was erroneous. Okay. And just shows how easily when you have no foundation and when you ain't built, when you ain't, 
when you ain't got nothing in place, anything can come in there. When you just a, a fucking a floating ass entity with no morals, no 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 kind of sanctity, like just nothing. When you just an assortment of atoms and molecules floating around, anything can come and give you all the things that a family should give. And I think a lot of these people didn't have that element because when you do, it's a lot harder for you to end up in that pool, man. Shit's ridiculous, man. Like, I don't ever want to hear a fucking song, Sexy. I halfway only listened to that interview just to hear her voice because I really thought Chick was a nigga for a long time for, for just circulating, just... That's your image, circulating around, around the internet so you can wear all the fucking... Gaudy ass jewelry, all them fucking chains and shit. You can walk around with all that lip gloss on and that dyed hair and them fucking rhinestones in, in your scalp and shit. You can do all of that. But at the end of the day, the way people are talking about you when you're not on the stage should be a clear indication that, you know, you're a fucking wash. Like, there's, there's nothing to you. Nothing, nothing becoming, you know. Like I said, I don't, I just, I've never heard Pound Town, never heard a thousand jugs, any of that ratchet ass ghetto dumb shit. And I don't want to hear it. And if you try to play it for me, I will attempt to kill you. I will try to murder you if you play that shit for me, because that's how averse I am to that shit. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to glorify and prop up women talking about my coochie pink and my booty hole brown. That shit's stupid. And if that's the wave you want, I hope you drown in it. Cause you're a stupid motherfucker for listening to that shit, for real. Shit is, shit is decadent at its best. This one is courtesy of Huffington Post. Now, I had to catch myself because the initial segment I would have recorded for this would have opened up some true hypocrisy for me. So it's about Lizzo, but in all fairness, the things being brought against her are allegations. They haven't actually been proven to be true or false. But the, what I, I want to draw attention to is how Russell Brand has literally lost damn near everything over allegations and three former backup dancers and this person in this article have made allegations against Lizzo, and I haven't heard about her losing a goddamn thing. Nothing. So what the fuck is up with that? How can allegations ruin somebody's career and livelihood, but when it's against fat fucking Lizzo, nothing happens? Ain't that a bitch? Anywho, let's read this fucking article. Huffington Post, Lizzo's tour had culture of racism and bullying behind the scenes. New lawsuit says... A wardrobe designer who briefly worked for Lizzo's tour as the latest former employee to sue the artist, accusing her of allowing a work culture to thrive behind the scenes that condoned racist and fatphobic bullying. In a lawsuit filed Thursday, the same day Lizzo was expected to receive the Quincy Jones Humanitarian Award, Asha Daniels, a fashion designer who assisted with costumes on the tour, accused the singer, her touring company, and wardrobe manager, Amanda Nomura, of sexual and racial harassment. Assault and failing to prevent a hostile work environment. Lizzo's the boss, so the buck stops with her. She has created a sexualized and racially charged environment on her tours 
that her management staff sees as condoning such behavior, and so it continues unchecked. Attorney Ron Zambrano said in a statement, hold on, I got to take my shades off. It's a little bit too dark to be wearing these bitches right now. Oh, God. And I have to make another repair because they just broke again after being broke. Jesus Christ. Well, at least I can see. Anywho. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Zambrano. Lizzo certainly knows what's going on, but she was not to put an end to this disgusting and illegal conduct and participates herself. A spokesperson for Lizzo described the newest lawsuit as a publicity stunt. As Lizzo receives a humanitarian award tonight from the Black Music Action Coalition for the incredible charitable work she has done to lift up all people, an ambulance-chasing lawyer tries to sully this honor by recruiting someone to file a bogus, absurd publicity stunt lawsuit who, wait for it, Never actually met or even spoke with Lizzo. Spokesperson Stefan Friedman said, We will pay this as much attention as it deserves. None. Now, just to comment on that shit before I forget it, there's just, there's just an air of just inflated confidence here. Like, to just reduce it to nothing, to just say it's all a publicity stunt, even though we don't know whether it is or isn't, even though three former backup dancers all, you know, raised some kind of alarm here. It's just that 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 air of confidence, like just, oh, this is a wait for it. <laughs> like you're too theatrical with the shit and it triggers skepticism within me. But I'll keep reading. What the fuck happened to my article? OK. Uh, Where we at? Lizzo performed at Kudos Bank Arena on July 23rd in Sydney, Australia. Daniel's attorney said she had been looking forward to working with Lizzo and her team because of the value she portrayed in public, expecting a work environment that empowered women. The lawsuit says that she instead was almost immediately introduced to a culture of racism and bullying. Daniel's left the tour after less than a month. According to the law, excuse me, according to the lawsuit filed in Los Angeles Superior Court, Daniel's designed custom pieces for Lizzo's dancers and Nomura asked her to join the tour to make alterations and repairs as needed. As wardrobe manager... Nomura was her primary contact with Lizzo's team. Daniel's disappointment with the job began when Nomura told her that she would have no direct contact with Lizzo because the artist would be jealous, telling her to tone it down and not dress attractively, the suit says. What the fuck? She also allegedly witnessed Nomura making rude comments about Lizzo and the black dancers, calling them dumb, useless, and fat. According to the lawsuit, Nomura would mock the dancers and Lizzo's by doing stereotypical impressions of black women which Daniels found defensive as a black woman herself. The lawsuit said Daniels told Nomura her imitations were offensive, but she was ignored. The lawsuit also describes an alleged incident in February in which a heavy rack of clothing rolled over Daniels' foot as she and Nomura were moving it. When Daniels told Nomura she was in serious pain and needed to sit down, Nomura allegedly shoved her into the rack and said she should not make excuses. Daniels claimed she was not allowed to wear an orthopedic shoe the following day to minimize the pain. The lawsuit only also accuses Nomura of making threats on multiple occasions, including saying she would, quote, kill a bitch and, quote, stab a bitch when she could not find her medication. She allegedly shoved a crew member for threatening to quit and snatched food out of a worker's hand for attempting to take an assigned break. According to the lawsuit, the tourist stage crew were mainly white men who would allegedly gawk, sneer, and giggle while the dancers were forced to quickly change in areas with no privacy. 
Nomura merely, merely laughed at the dancer's poor accommodations and advised Daniels not to alert anyone else about the issue or try to fix the issue, the lawsuit said. They keep saying according to the lawsuit. They real, real apt to make sure that you understand that all this shit is alleged. But nothing has happened as a result of all this alleged misbehavior. But look at Russell Brand. He's fucked off an allegation. He's demonetized. He's smeared. I don't see anything happening to Lizzo as a result of this. I don't see people making hit, uh, hit pieces on Lizzo. None of that shit. It's clearly one-sided. But I'll continue. Uh, da, da, da. Daniels would eventually take her complaints regarding Nomura to Carlina Gugliotta, the tour manager, to be passed on to Lizzo, who she believed would not tolerate poor behaviors toward the dancers and crew. It's not lost on me that I'm one of the only black women working behind the scenes, and I feel like Nomura is treating me like I'm a slave, Daniels told Gugliotta, according to the lawsuit. The lawsuit claimed that Daniels was told Nomura would be too hard to replace, and Daniels was allegedly abruptly fired in retaliation after making her complaints. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. the lawsuit also alleged that Lizzo's management team did nothing after a backstage member allegedly sent a graphic photo of male genitalia in a group that the group chat that the crew was in. Instead, Lizzo's management found the image to be comical, further encouraging an unsafe, sexually charged workplace culture. The law lawsuit said the lawsuit said, God damn, what? So is there an actual allegation here or is this just all the lawsuit said lawsuits can't talk? Last time I checked, the narrative here is just so overwhelmingly set up to just say, hey, look, now this is just all the allegation. Don't forget, this is just all something she said. You know, and we don't we don't know that this happened. It's like, damn, what did anything actually happen or did all according to the lawsuit? Daniel's lawsuits come weeks after three former dancers said they were weight shamed and accused the artists of sexual, religious and racial harassment. According to the new lawsuit, Daniels also felt pressure to join activities openly discussed by the management team, such as hiring sex workers, buying drugs, and attending a sex show in order to secure one of her days off. Due to the racist and sexualized work environment, and also the unreasonable physical requirements of Daniels, she suffered constant anxiety and panic attacks, the complaint states. She continues to suffer ongoing anxiety and PTSD after the tour. She suffers from migraines and migraine-induced eye twitch and ocular distortions, Brain fog and fatigue. Alrighty. I'm going to walk into the dispensary and I'm going to come back out with something to say about this shit. Holy fuck. At the sake of being redundant. Where was I before I uh, was disappointed by the lack of sativa that this dispensary had? It was steezy, by the way. Three eyes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I cannot help but overemphasize the fact how these allegations don't to, to, at, at this point in time, I'm not aware of how these allegations have currently negatively affected Lizzo. I don't know what kind of sponsorship she's lost. I don't know how she's been demonetized. I don't hear anything about her tour being canceled. According to that article and a couple other ones I've glanced at, I don't see how she's been impacted negatively by these allegations. And I draw a parallel to Russell Brand as he's someone who's very, very recently been destroyed as a result of allegations and nothing been proven. Now, that goes for Lizzo, too. Like, none of these things have been proven. Doesn't matter how many people come out and say this. These are all accusations. We don't know the truth. Nothing's been verified. But there's been no damage to her. 
And I'm much more inclined to believe that Lizzo does these things for a couple reasons. One, she's immersed in this leftist ideology where we're not allowed to body shame you. We're not, we got to like every goddamn thing you do. So it's like naturally what comes with that kind of culture is shit like this. Because it's just, it's a utopian fantasy that's not real. Like if you're fat, if you're obese, that's generally frowned upon. You could be fat. They got a whole category for fat women. It's called BBW. There is no BBM. Okay. So, you know, I'm just talking, speaking in general here. You can't say anything about Lizzo. If you say anything about Lizzo, you'll be damned into hell. Now, on top of that, and I know this is, this is loose. This isn't really like evidence quality observation I'm about to make. But she's from Detroit. She's from Detroit. So, drugs, sex. I hate to throw dirt on Detroit, but that's 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 part of the culture here, man. Like, if you just listen to any Detroit rapper, any Detroit rapper, pull them up, you know? And granted, she's got a couple other things going for herself. Yeah, she can play the flute, and she's athletic and all that shit, but just just her character and how quick leftists are to defend her for things that have always been in place such as like fat women not garnering all this attention going around showing your ass off everywhere you go and then when you get the attention you deserve from that shit it's a fucking problem like i don't know whether these allegations are true. I don't have a lot of insight to provide. At this point, this is just kind of a rant. But I think it's fucked up that if you're not within the embrace of the left, if you're not on the left, and you do some shit, or you're accused of some shit that's negative, that's shameful, that is affecting people's lives negatively, you get all kind of leeway. You get all kind of excuses made. Or, or even like this article, they just kept saying, according to the lawsuit, according to the lawsuit, according to the lawsuit, they kept, they had a, a, a connotation as if they made sure you understood these were allegations. Nothing has been proven. Every goddamn thing said in that article was according to the lawsuit. Now, I don't know if you want to call that being objective or if you want to call that being biased. But to me, I think it's a load of tripe. I don't think it's all this according to the lawsuit. Now, maybe some of those things might have been grandiose, like, oh, I have ocular uh, eye twitches and brain fog. Like, you could have got that shit from anything. I don't think just being in a negative culture is like, like those are some pretty lame-ass symptoms to have just as it's just from having to work in a hostile work environment. I've worked in a couple hostile work environments. It just made me not want to go to work. It made me not really want to be around my coworkers. Now, brain fog, ocular eye twitches, not even to Lizzo's credit, but just to the credit of how these are allegations. Some of it sounds a little, a little, Jesus Christ, get your muffler fixed, you fucking loser. 
it's a, it's a little it's a, it's a little extra. But some of the things as far as like sending a dick picture in the group chat, I kind of believe those things. Getting your foot ran over and just, I mean, shit. A lot of that shit just sounds like general work culture to me. So I guess I'm on the record. If I had to pick whether I think they true, whether I think it's not true, I think it's more true than it is untrue. I do think this Asha Daniels lady who uh who is filing this lawsuit. And I, I also think it's one that she she actually she was told she couldn't be around Lizzo because she was too pretty. And they told her to dumb it down a bit. Now that I can believe because of how Lizzo carries herself. How we're all supposed to admire her fat ass and look at it every goddamn where we go. And then not say anything about it when we see it, if it's negative. So things of that nature, I can kind of lean toward. I kind of believe. However, you know, they're all allegations. We don't know that she did these things. And everything is according to the lawsuit, you know. Everything is according to the lawsuit. So I'm sure in due time, we'll figure out what actually happened. But it's just, it's not something that strikes me as unusual. It's not something that strikes me as something that's hard to believe. I think most of it, the, the bulk of it is true. You know, having only white men, like that's like some BET shit. Like you watch a BET show, most of the cast is black and you got a couple white minorities in there. Just like for the sake of diversity, just kind of how like black people are done another thing. I just saw a post for the NFL. It was like four white guys and one black dude. Like that's that's like like the token. White people are the token in those instances. Just how black people are the token in most instances. Which I don't really give a shit about. It is what it is. But I, I, I come on, man. It's Lizzo, and that's my bias. Like, yeah, it's fucking Lizzo, bro. Like, what do you expect? What do you think this girl's going to, just because she's about to receive a fucking humanitarian award? Like, that's just all of the perks of just being on, being on the left. Especially with this rotting culture we got going on where everything that was a problem is not a fucking problem all of a sudden. We supposed to glorify this bitch for shaking her ass at a goddamn Lakers game. You wore a cape with a hole in it so we could see your ass. You attention-seeking bitch. And now when people bring allegations up against you, we're so heavily reminded about how they're allegations. At the, at, at the expense of being repetitive and redundant, I think she did it. And uh, I can't wait to hear how this shit unfolds because I've had, I've had about enough of this bitch. Like, for real. She is just... She is the poster child of... Everything that's bad with the left and why you shouldn't be on that side. I'm done ranting about this bitch. Independent while I'm smoking a cigarette. Martin Scorsese says plethora of comic book movies are a danger to culture. And it's starting to become a habit for me to interrupt as I read the headline, 
But uh, yeah, man, fucking the only superhero movies I've ever really gotten a hard on for was The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Returns. And Batman has always kind of been my favorite superhero because he didn't really have fucking superpowers. Like, this nigga was a billionaire amongst niggas with mutant DNA. Like, these niggas was touched. Niggas shooting beams out their eyes. They got super strength. Nigga, the Green Lantern got an engagement ring that could crush your ass. Turn into anything he fucking wanted to be as long as it was green. He could fuck shit up with it. You ask Superman, what's your superpower? I mean, I got x-ray vision and super strength and I can fly. Wonder Woman, like, I got, I got an invisible goddamn spaceship. My damn wristlets can deflect bullets. Super strength. Hey, Batman, what you got? Nigga, I'm rich. <laughs> like, he was the only nigga money was his superpower. And he didn't have that bullshit-ass Clark Kent in there, though. I'm a nigga who worked at the newspaper. But then I run into a phone booth, change clothes, and now I'm suddenly somebody who I wasn't. Get the fuck out of here, man. Superhero movies exist to drive revenue and create theme parks. And at this day and age, they all suck. Like, it's just all CGI field, narrative, horse shit. They all suck. I wish the fuck I would. Like, I remember when one of them Avengers movies came out. People was spoiling the outcome of the Avengers movie and getting their ass beat. Now, I don't know how true that was, but I definitely remember reading headlines about people spoiling the end of the movie outside the theater and getting fucked up for it. Shit ain't that serious. But, uh, yeah, let's read this article. Martin Scorsese has waded into the comic book movie debate once again. The taxi driver and Raging Bull director caused a stir in October 2019 after sharing the belief that the Avengers films were, quote, not cinema and comparable to theme park rides. He then elaborated on his views weeks later, saying of superhero films, we shouldn't be invaded by it. We need cinemas to step up and show films that are narrative films. Now, the director whose next film is the drama Killers of the Flower Moon has opened up about what he believes the danger is when it comes to such film releases. The danger there is what it's doing to our culture, because there are going to be generations that now think movies are only those. That's what movies are, he told GQ. Scorsese said this means that we have to then fight back stronger. It's got to come from the grassroots level. It's got to come from the filmmakers themselves. And you'll have, you know, the Safdie brothers and you'll have Chris Nolan. You know what I mean? And hit them from all sides. Hit them from all sides and don't give up. Let's see what you got. Go out there and do it. Go reinvent. Don't complain about it. But it's true because we've got to save cinema. Scorsese previously said of cinema's changed, cinema changed decisions to dedicate the majority of screens to new superhero films. Theaters have become amusement parks. That is all fine and good, but don't invade everything else in that sense. That is fine and good for those who enjoy that type of film. And by the way, knowing what goes into them now, I admire what they do. It's not my kind of thing. It simply is not. It's creating another kind of audience that thinks cinema is that. 
Killers of the Flower Moon is an, ad- is an adaption of David Graham's nonfiction book documenting the string of murders that plagued the Osage, in- the Osage Indian tribe. I hope I said that right. Osage Indian tribe in Oklahoma during the 1920s after oil was found on their land. The case was deemed the FBI's first homicide investigation. The adaptation will mark the eighth time Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio have worked together. Killers of the Flower Moon is said to be released theatrically on October 20th ahead of its premiere on Apple TV in November. It also stars Lily Gladstone, Robert De Niro, and Jesse Plemons. The film premiered at Cannes Film Festival in May, where it received a nine-minute standing ovation. God damn! (laughs) Nine minutes? Holy shit! The independent film critic Clarice Lurie, in her five-star review, said the film carries Scorsese's tradition fixation. The rotted core of man's heart, how power breeds the impulse for destruction, the myths of cowboys and outlaws, and the dirty truth to them. Killers of the Flower Moon will be the 80-year-old filmmaker's first film since The Irishman, which was released in 2019. It will receive its UK premiere at the BFI London Film Festival, with Scorsese himself set to participate in the Screen Talks Q&A on October 7th. dog howling at me bitch anywho um yeah i've kind of felt this way about superhero movies for a long time there's just it's just too much cgi in movies hollywood sucks nothing good has really come out of hollywood in a long long time like i think the last movie that i actually like went to theaters to see if i can recall correctly i went to see all four hunger games movies I went and saw that Will Ferrell bullshit, uh, Sherlock Holmes with him and John C. Riley was a fucking nightmare. I saw the Barbie movie, which we all know how I felt about that. And, um, I f- oh yeah, I went and saw Liam Neeson nonstop. And, um, he had another movie. It was this, it was this, uh, what the fuck? It was this movie where he was like, he was a fucking bank robber. He was a retired bank robber who wanted, get, who wanted to settle down and marry this girl. And he was planning to give back all the money he stole from the banks. But some crooked FBI agents figured out about the shit. And they tried to interfere and take that shit all for themselves. Which Liam Neeson usually has pretty decent movies. It's kind of like the same flavor. But the storytelling is really good, man. Like I can I can digest the repetitive nature of it if the storytelling is good. And it wasn't a whole lot of CGI. Like he's old. He didn't really do a whole lot of action shit. Staying true to the fact that the dude's like fucking 60, 70 goddamn years old. Like it's not so much the actors or the CGI. It's the fucking storytelling. Like Hollywood has lost. Is storytelling edge, man. There's there's nothing. I'm not about to shell out 15 or more dollars, depending on how comfortable I want to be when I go sit through this shit, just to see a bunch of goddamn graphics. Like, I played video games my whole life. Graphics don't impress me in the sense of something I got to go sit two hours or more through. Fuck your CGI. And especially with these tired-ass super, like, it's just not even creative. It's just like how they release a Call of Duty 
every fucking year around the same time. Madden, same thing. 2K, same thing. When uh, Fortnite dropped and PUBG, the whole Battle Royale shit, every fucking game, Call of Duty jumped in with Warzone. Like, everybody's just doing what's going to grab cash. Like, there's no incentive for ingenuity, creativity, or originality in movies anymore. Martin Scorsese is absolutely right. Like, if you like that shit, whatever, fine. If you want to go shell out that money just to go see some shit, hang on. Just to go see the same hackneyed, repetitive, predictable bullshit over and over and over and over again, go for it. Fine by me. But... There's just nothing in it, man. There's there's no draw. There's nothing. It's it's just a vacuous, lifeless genre of re- repetitiveness. <laughs> and I do think that it has negative effects on the culture overall. The only thing that a motherfucker can sit through for two and a half hours, three hours is a fucking Avengers movie. I would never, ever sit through an Avengers movie. Like, it's, 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 it just was never that big a deal to me. And I just really can't attack it from any other angle besides the same one that Scorsese did. Like, it's, it's dry. It's hackneyed. There's no life. There's no soul in it. The same actors doing the same shit, and they spend so much money on the marketing end of it. Every time you pick up your phone or you turn on the TV for whatever reason, I don't know why the fuck you would do that in today's society. Turn on a television for your viewing pleasure. Like, I don't get that shit, but like every time it's just overhyped, and you get done with it, and you're just sitting there like, wow, I mean, I guess that was, it was okay. Like, nobody actually acts. And I think this whole Hollywood strike, something I really didn't pay attention to because I don't really give a fuck about Hollywood, was talking about replacing all the background roles and all that extra shit with AI. Like, you're going to introduce AI into an already dying genre of entertainment. It's just fucking stupid, you know? I don't really care to watch movies. I just told you the last, like, over the past decade, I've probably gone to the movie theater less probably once a year and i think a big part of it is what scorsese touched on a lot of that shit has leaked into the culture and it's had the opposite effect that it's supposed to have hollywood needs to get creative needs to do something new and stop making movies just so they can build theme parks and amusement parks after this shit because i don't go to them i don't have children that shit's a complete miss for me and i think it's a complete miss for a lot of people and 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 most of the shit that's come out of Hollywood recently is like live action remakes of Disney films, all these remakes and reboots trying to capitalize on this nostalgia wave, which I don't think has been successful. I don't think it's been all that great. Like they just did a seven Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs remake, but it's so fucking woke that it's not even really a remake. It's a whole new movie. It has nothing like the, the premise has changed based on what somebody else. Well, they were just too white. and they were just that, that. Shut the fuck up. That's why I don't really feel bad about these Hollywood writers being on strike. Whatever the fuck happens that will 
foster some ingenuity, something clever, something that will actually make me want to get up, go sit in a cinema instead of waiting for something to hit streaming and watch it in the comfort of my home. That's also killed the movie industry a lot, too. The fact is you don't have to go to the movies. You could just wait for that shit to hit a streaming service. All of those things have contributed to just the just the fall of cinema. There's no reason to watch it. There's no reason to go out and spend money on that shit. Martin Scorsese is spot on with this one, and I think I've been pretty redundant throughout this whole episode. So I'm gonna just I'd say what I need to say on that. Uh Fuck the Avengers. Fuck all these superhero movies. It's time to bring storytelling back to cinema. When you bring the storytelling element back, it doesn't matter what the fuck you're talking about. If you can narrate that shit in a captivating and entertaining way, you won't have these problems that Scorsese talking about. But in the meantime, fuck that shit. Courtesy of TMZ for the first time. Anthony Anderson will pay $20,000 a month in spousal support. Now, just this ain't even headline related, but I've been all over the goddamn city of Detroit <laughs> trying to film this podcast or trying to record this podcast because I'm locked out of my crib right now. I should really be in bed and it's going to cost me at work tomorrow. I'm going to have to compensate, but... I'm trying to crank out three episodes a week regardless. Like, there is no excuses. I'm committed to this podcast. It will blow up and turn into something at some point. But I realize some of the decisions I made have set set that progress back a little bit. So, it's happening. I don't give a fuck because I'm not going to stop doing this. I don't give a goddamn if it takes me 300 episodes, 1,000 episodes. I'm going to do it. Because what the fuck else do I have to do? So with that being said, one of my favorite things to say on this podcast, you can probably hear in my mouth already, I'm firing up right now, you should too. Mm-hmm. Cognac game, Lee, baby. Hold on. Mm. Nope, nope, I think I got it. As an old school Rello nigga, learning how to roll these game leaves. It's totally worth the effort. Okay, so, courtesy of TMZ for the first time, Anthony Anderson will pay $20,000 a month in spousal support. Anthony Anderson will fork over twenty k every month to his ex-wife, Alvina Stewart, per his divorce judgment, but he could be paying even more depending on how his career is going. According to the docs obtained by TMZ, Anthony will pay the 20K as a base amount. And that number will go up if his gross annual earnings go over $2 million. In that case, he'll pay an additional 20% of his income. In other words, the more Anthony makes, the more he's got to shell out to Alvina. That's how spousal support works. But he's not walking out of the marriage empty-handed. The docs say Anthony gets to keep their property in Encino, California in a 2004 Land Rover. She gets the 2022 Mazda in their place in Houston. They also have a cemetery plot in Inglewood Park Cemetery, which they'll be selling and splitting the proceeds. RIP to that deal. Huh. 
Lastly, the docs say there's a Glock 19 firearm that's registered to Alvina, but currently in Anthony's possession. He'll have to return that to law enforcement within the next 30 days. TMZ broke the story. Alvina filed in L.A. last year. They married back in 1999, but were separated briefly, with Alvina filing for divorce in 2015 and dropping it a year later. Around the time he booked his role on the shit on the hit show Blackish. So yeah, um, pretty short article. So uh, that leaves me a lot of room to comment on this. Now I was gonna talk about this when I first heard about it, which is maybe like a day or so ago. But when I was at work today, <coughs> I tuned into the Matt Walsh show as I regularly do. And what's he talking about? <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Marriage. The sanctity and the just marriage overall. How it's the founding block of civilization. And it's the reason we are where we are. Now, I don't I've been rambly through this episode, so I'm gonna try to condense this and try to be less rambly now that I'm situated, I'm sitting down, I'm not moving, I'm not having to modify the volume of my voice. Or scream at the top of my lungs because I'm somewhere that's not static. But they've been married since 1999. If you can do the math on that, that's 24 years. I read a couple other articles on this in my in-between time. And the first time they almost split up, they said it was irreconcilable differences. Now again, irreconcilable differences. I don't hear Anthony Anderson complaining about this, but like what fucking good would it do to complain about this? So he's got to pay $20,000 a month in spousal support for a divorce she initiated. Now, my question is, if you're in a committed marriage with this man for the better half of the past two decades, for, well, for, for, for the better part, not half, for the past two decades, and, and almost half of three, what spousal support are you not getting? You tried to do this eight years ago. But whatever differences you had, oh shit, was reconciled. Good for y'all. But now, in 2023, you determine that it can't work. You guys had burial plots purchased. At the to be buried next to one another in the same fucking cemetery. I just on some complete nosy shit would really like to know what the fuck kind of differences can't you put to the side after 24 years? What can't you work through? And to get a prorated payout. So this guy's gotta decide whether to 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 now, it, now, I noticed it's a clause involved if he makes more than $2 million a year. What if he goes broke? Then what? He's just fucked, huh? And nothing happens to her for a divorce she initiated. Twice at that. Now, to me, this is just complete. This is just not fair. And it's further compounds on the fact that many women are not the same. One of the risks of marriage, because when you involve the state in your marriage, 
the laws regarding that shit heavily favor women. This is not speculation. This is not rumor. This is fact. Hence the hesitation of so many modern day men to get involved with marriage. Now it's fucked up. Once again, I say I'm just really curious what could have been going on in their marriage to where she wasn't getting $20,000 a month or more from this man before the divorce to where she's entitled to it now. They have two adult children together. So he's lucky in that regard because he doesn't have to pay child support for adult children. But I think it's time if you, if, if, if you marriage is a necessary thing. I'll concede that. But if you want men to be optimistic and to continue engaging in this, these laws have got to change. There has to be some reform on marriage law. This is absurd. This is absurd. So this man is going to be paying. It, I didn't hear anything about when this is going to end. So this man has to pay this woman $20,000 a month in perpetuity. <laughs> like indefinitely. Nothing can happen in his circumstance financially that could be beneficial. That wouldn't also benefit her from the divorce she initiated. I'm pretty sure they had vows at their wedding. Thick and thin, or for better or worse, sickness and health, rich or poor, all that shit, all that mumbo jumbo, which at this point is just rhetoric. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, if, if Anthony Anderson was slacking, I can't even hold him accountable per se, because it's like, it's not his duty, nor should he divulge all the inner details of his marriage. But I am personally curious for her to start a divorce and go back on it and start another one again. Like, I haven't heard Anthony Anderson in the media for anything negative. What did he do? What the fuck did this man do? What was he doing that made you think to do this once and change your mind? Like, what? I just, if I could just sit down. I don't really care about her, and I really should care about it, but I don't. Because this lends itself to the fact that most women initiate divorce. Men don't. So, if I had to guess, which is based on things I've heard about Anthony Anderson currently, recently, and over the years... He was okay with things, but she wasn't. He talked about how they met in another article. He said he was having some kind of party. And he bumped into her. And just from that moment, it was like some, these are my words, love at first sight kind of shit. And that shit lasted 24 years. I feel like we really need some type of reform. Like if a marriage lasts a decade, 10, 15, 20 years, like if a marriage lasts that long, 
it and a woman initiates the divorce, I don't I think it should be relevant on who initiates the divorce. Since we're gonna involve the state in it. And depending on how long that marriage lasts, those payments should decrease. Now, if you've been married to a chick a year, two years, or the the person, if if the male is negligent on pretenses that were content that the marriage was contingent upon, different story. You know, I think that all that should be taken into account, though. You should have to divulge what the fuck's going on. It shouldn't just be irreconcilable differences. Like that could be anything. If you're going to involve the state in your marriage, you should have to include some details on why this is happening. For situations like this, no man should be paying 20K a month for a woman he's been with 24 years wanting to part ways. 24 years? That's enough to be institutionalized in a prison. So imagine a marriage. Like, that's borderline traumatizing. Shit like this is why marriage numbers are decreasing, at least on the men's end, because the risk is not outweighing the reward. Understandably. But once I watched Matt Walsh today, he made some good points, as usual, in terms of the reasons why you should not give up on marriage. Now, we all throw out numbers, but but the generalities of those numbers remains. Like, more women initiate divorces than men. Number doesn't matter. I think I read in a statistic that out of, it's like 400,000 people paying alimony payments in the United States. 3% of them are, are men receiving alimony from women. 97% are women receiving alimony from men. These feminists love to go on and on about equality and shit. Why not equalize that? Why not bring that number down to 50-50? Why? I'll tell you. Because feminists don't care about double standards where they are. They have to take the downside of it, where they take the brunt of it. They don't care about those double standards, but the ones that benefit them, they're lined up for blocks for that shit. But to stay on point of why you shouldn't give up on marriage. See, all the numbers are there. We know all the numbers on divorce. But just because those are the numbers, they don't represent a likelihood or a, a possibility of it happening to you. Just because X amount of divorces are initiated by women and because X amount of divorces fail within the first two years, that is not a set of probabilities for the likelihood that it will happen to you if you decide to go on this venture. There is risk involved. But with anything worthwhile, there is risk involved. That's why people don't always do worthwhile things. If it was just like, you know, do worthwhile thing and you'll, you'll, you know, if you had equality of outcome, then like, what the fuck is the point in trying, qualifying, just do the shit, get the shit.
But no, in order to win a game, you must risk losing. Because otherwise, what's the fucking point in doing it? I got to take this. The fuck? Hello? That's fine. I'm sitting out here. Let me call you right, right back. My roommate called me. Hello? Hello? Yeah, my fucking phone. What'd you say? You said they got eight mile blocked off? Yeah, between then and now, I had a severe toothache. I went to work, and that conversation with my roommate extended until she got home. So by that point, I got caught up in some other shit and unfortunately had to delay I could have done it yesterday, but my fucking tooth kill, killed me. So that, that, that caused me to have to delay it to today, which is, what is today? The 27th? Yeah, Wednesday. So basically just wanted to finish the point I was making in regards to why you should still pursue marriage and how anything worthwhile carries an inherent degree of risk that gives value to the outcome of taking the venture to begin with, you know? And the fact that just because the numbers and statistics are so high regarding reasons why marriage could and, and does fail it is not a set of probabilities that are that are projected onto you. If you decide to get married or if you decide to to, you know, take that path in life. And I'm just kind of piggybacking on Matt, what Matt Walsh said, you know. Just think if you're like a UFC fighter, like to become a champion in the UFC or in boxing or something, or, you know, to be a Super Bowl champion in a, in a sport or in an arena where the likelihood of personal injury is high, like you could sustain an injury, you could die. You could die for like what, some for thousands or millions of dollars. Like you're risking your health and safety and, and, and life every time you enter that arena. But... The reward for such a risk is kind of the justification behind doing it. Like you understand that this could easily not go your way at the strike of a match, at the snap of a finger. You know, I kind of learned this lesson in Vegas and it's, it's, it's one of the reasons I kind of got screwed over so many times by people is because I know dickheads exist. I know there are people out there who don't have my best interest at heart. And I know there are people out there who are fucked up for one reason or another, and they've learned to mask or they've they've banished any hope of reconciling those whatever caused them to be that way. Like they, they're not at this point, they're leaning into it instead of leaning away from it. So I understand that, but I don't I don't want to think that everyone is fucked up. 
because I happened to bump into a a particularly lengthy series of fucked up people. Like, that doesn't mean the world is fucked up. Like, just because there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine doesn't mean the entire world is fucked up because they're at war, you know? And yes, that means that sometimes you will take risks that will blow up in your face. People will fuck over you. Things won't always go your way. But if you didn't do something just because the likelihood exists that it wouldn't go your way, then you're not going to do anything. Hell, you're not even guaranteed to wake up when you go to sleep. Life is not promised. Every day is a blessing. It's a new opportunity. And it should be viewed that way. I think overall, like we lean so far in the culture to where we think we deserve everything right now. Everything's about putting something in our hands right fucking now. And that's not always like you need a few failures under your belt to humble you. To remind you that you're not God. You are mortal and you don't really have a lot of control over what the fuck goes on. Plan B's exist because plan A's fuck up so often. And at this point in my life, I'm certainly still poised. I'm I'm newly and still poised to seek out marriage, to have children, to have a family unit. Because I've personally seen firsthand what it's like to go at it completely alone. It's doable, but it's lonely. And not like lonely in the sense like, oh, I haven't had company in a while. Like, no, like, you're surrounded by motherfuckers who you don't even, who you can't fuck with. All the conversation that you have is like, it's associated with certain tasks, not based off any kind of acquaintanceship or, or, or originality. Like, it's just all like... If I go to McDonald's and I want to order food, I got to communicate what the fuck my food order is. So, yeah, people talk to me in that sense. But it's like, hey, what's been up with you? How's your day going? Did you uh, did you get that promotion that you wanted? How, how's your auntie doing? Like, it ain't none of that. Those are optional conversations. Like, I don't ever have to have that conversation in order to receive a service or something, some type of necessity in my life. But, you know, we, you... you the the point I'm making here, the takeaway, is that there is no bump-free road to prosperity and happiness. Like, if you so choose to seek out things of that nature that will improve the quality of your life, there's no promise that it will happen the way you think it'll happen or the way you think it should be. It's going to happen at the expense of taking your ass for some kind of ride. It's unavoidable. So yeah, it sucks that Anthony Anderson's got to dole out fucking $440,000 a year to a woman he's no longer with. A half a million dollars damn near to a woman that, for not wanting to be with him anymore after 24 years. So now he's got to take care of her. And I mean, what's the point in complaining about it? It sucks, but like, you know... This is that risk that I was just talking about. And it's not much he could have done. Like, to stay with a nigga 24 years, I don't give a fuck. Like, 
he was a stand-up guy to some degree. Because most marriages don't even make it past two years. He did that shit 12 times over. But I think as a man and for men, it's important to orient your life around a, a difficult task with no guarantee that you're going to succeed. But I think it's the way to, to where if you fail, you maintain a healthy mindset. You don't just flush your whole life down the toilet because this venture that you decided to embark on with a mild to low success rate failed. Life's too short for that, man. And I commend him for not for me not saying I don't see no kind of complaints. I don't hear no belly aching and shit like. Hey, this is what I signed up for. The potential drawbacks of any worthwhile venture in life are not a reason to to cease pursuing them. But we still do need some marriage law reform because a lot of this risk is not like natural risk. It's risk that's been created due to some vindictive women. Like there should be some risk. But. Not so much risk as to where it now mathematically makes sense to not do this. So we need some marriage law reform and men need to be considered more overall. Like it's not just about women and how the fuck they going to live their life now that they're no longer married when they initiated the breakup. So we do need some marriage law reform, but we need some men brave enough and courageous enough to take these risks and at least have enough faith in them that they can succeed and that it's still a worthwhile endeavor. You know, getting married and having a family will always be a worthy cause. Regardless of all the inherent drawbacks. And that's the message that we need to keep, that we need to perpetuate. Not that this red pill shit, this MGTOW shit, that's all, that's like, that's how based out of hurt and pain, like not so much red pill, but like just because you red pill doesn't mean that, you know, you just need to everything is bullshit. So why bother? Like that's that's the nihilistic end of red pill. That's not beneficial to anybody. We need to stick together. We need to continue to strive for this. And we need some reform to make to, to incentivize people to do this and not incentivize them against it. Because there's no reason she should be getting half a million dollars a year after a 24-year marriage that you decided to end. I, I, I really don't, the details don't matter to me. That's ridiculous. That's the show. Thanks for watching. Uh, got some extra time this week due to fluctuating work demands. So be looking out for an installment of After Hours. I haven't done a live stream in quite a while. So be looking out for that. I'm going to drop one this week at some point. Um... Nothing else for you guys. Thanks for listening. Until then, until next time, I'll holla.